can a Christian have a demon? And by the time we're done with this service, we're going to have a little deliverance service. What do you think? Amen? See, the church has believed and they have been taught that they can only be oppressed from the outside and not in the, from the inside. That is a lie. The church has believed that they can only be oppressed or harassed from the outside. If you have notes, if you've got paper, and this is a topic that you need to have an understanding on, I encourage you to take notes and open your Bibles, and you're going to follow along because we're going to go through a lot of scriptures tonight. Because I want you to understand how what the Bible says about this topic so that you could biblically defend your position and you could walk as the church on fire of which you are. We are all the church on fire, each and every one of us, because we are the church. And God wants to give you freedom tonight in every area of your life if you don't already have it. We have freedom in Christ, but there are Christians that are bound up, bound up in all types of problems and, and situations, and that is not God. How many of you would say, you know what, I want to be totally free, and I want to understand maybe the things that maybe I didn't understand before, because if it's mine for the asking or if it's mine for the taking, then why would I not receive the fullness of what God has offered me? Amen? So this faulty thinking that you know, you can't have, that the, the only type of a demon it could be an oppression from the outside. This type of a thinking has actually left the church powerless. It's left the church powerless with demons in the pulpit and pastors that should actually step down. A few of you got that. This lie that has been taught has left demons in the pulpit and pastors that should step down or get delivered. I see I've got my work cut out. I see this side here. I see this side like, yeah, that's it, that's it. And then some, some over here are like, hmm, where's she going with this tonight? Where's she going with? Listen, and you will hear the word of truth because it's all scripture. See this powerless, false teaching has caused many of our kids, church kids, it's caused many of our kids to leave the church, right? This powerless teaching, and they've gone to psychics, they've gone to new age, they've gone to magic, they've gone to fortune telling, they've gone to witchcraft, they've gone into satanism. Don't you tell me that they have not gotten into these things, because they have. Why? Because they see power there. They see power, they see something happen, they, just, they see a display of God's power. We know it's not true power, right? But what they've seen in the church is a powerless church, or at least in general, not this church. Let me make sure I say that right away. Not this church. Every single service, somebody gets delivered or somebody gets saved, saved or healed. Every single service, whether we make that evident, whether we speak it out or not. Because the power of God in the life of a believer is going to drive away demonic powers. Because demons recognize anointing. It's the Christians that don't, don't always recognize the anointing. But demons actually recognize anointing. Sometimes the Christians need to be kicked a little bit and woken up. Say, come on, church. So a powerless church is not the true gospel. Say it with me. A powerless church is not the true gospel. A powerless church is full of religion. Yeah, it's full of religion. 
rules, religion, just, you know, traditions of men. A powerful church is full of the demonstration of the Spirit. A powerful church, you're going to see lives change. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.4. You've got your Bible. Open your Bibles up to 1 Corinthians 2.4. And it says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I will read it again. And my speech and my preaching were not with the persuasive words, with human wisdom. And that's what you get a lot, is human wisdom. Persuasive words, eloquence, trying to, trying to impress you. Listen, I am not here to impress you, but I am here to equip you and to cause you to walk higher than you were walking yesterday. To walk better, stronger, and more on fire than you were the day before. So my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words. This is what Paul, the Apostle Paul said. He says of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. There should be a demonstration of the Spirit and of power every time you go to church. You should see the gospel in action. You should see the gospel moving people's lives. Changing people's lives. Because the word is alive. It's powerful, right? Amen? And I love my amen crowd. Where are they? I've got a few here, a few there. Yeah, the amen crowd is awesome. I love my... Why? Because you know what? When you've got the word of God in you, you can't help but... You can't help but... You can't stay silent. The word of God is like stirring up. It's like it's bubbling in you. Hallelujah. So the... Re, verse 5. So that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our faith is in the power of God and not... In the wisdom of men. Testimony. Testimony the other day. There's a lady. That uh, she came up for prayer. She had she needed healing in her nervous system. That's what she told me anyway. And so I laid hands on her. She fell over in the power of God. And immediately I could tell, I could tell some stuff was going on. I laid my hands on her stomach. And she starts to manifest. She starts to manifest, she starts to grow, she starts crying, she's convulsing, she's rolling back and forth on the ground, and I start to command demons to leave out of her. Do you guys know that you are to do that? Commanding demons to leave, and one by one, as she was crying and just bent over with pain, those demons were leaving, but she was in pain. They were leaving even in pain. But I'll tell you, as those demons were leaving, she got healed and set free, and all of the pain that she started to feel in her stomach, which was years, years of pain due to an emotional situation that the Lord brought to her attention as she was on the floor, she got totally delivered, completely healed, even of what she originally came up for, which was the nervous system, because her hands were shaking, and she couldn't stop the shaking. Why? Because that healing was tied to a demon. There are some healings, a lot of them, that are tied to a demon. And you've got to get rid of the demon, that spirit, in order for you to be healed. Are we all on the same page so far? But she was completely healed. 
and she was delivered. The sickness was due to that demon spirit in her body. Let me tell you, she loved God. She, I had never seen her before, but she told me, I love God, I serve God. She told me, I, I always ask them, are you, are, you, are you a Christian? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Oh, yes, I love God, I serve God, I, I love him. Do you not know the biggest lie that the church tries to tell you is that if you love God and you've given Jesus your heart, that that's it. You don't have to be worried about any demonic power. Let me just tell you something right now. If you love Jesus and Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, you will not be possessed by a demon spirit. You will not be possessed like head turning, that kind of demon spirit, right? Because if you have Jesus in your heart, you can't be possessed. But you sure can be oppressed and demonized. And that demon spirit may not just be on the outside, it can be on the inside. There are two different ways that you could, be, you could be oppressed or demonized, externally and internally. It starts externally. If you don't do anything about it, it ends up internally. Listen, I'm just telling you this because you know what? If you listen and you hear and you say, you know what, Lord, if there's any truth to what she's saying, then I want to be freed and delivered. You could walk out of here totally changed and set free. But you've got to be able to say, okay. I'm going to lay down my pride and, and self-righteous spirits and any kind of religious spirits and say, no, you know what, Lord? Search my heart. I humble myself and I listen to the word because I'm speaking the word of God. Amen? Amen? So many believers in Christ, they do. They have demon spirits. They're manipulating. They're oppressing. They're demonizing them. And they don't even know it. How many of you know about Christian that is being demonized, tormented, manipulated, and they don't even know it? Like you can see it. If you, if you understand this, how many, I want to see a show of hands. You can see it, yeah, about, about a, good, a good portion of you guys, right? It could be words that were spoken against them or by them, trying to attack them, right? Um, it could be people around them trying to control them. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. But that's when, they're, that's when a spirit's trying to control you from the outside. You can feel, you can, you can feel the pressure, you can feel uh, whether it's fear, whether it, but you feel it on the outside. How many of you have experienced what I'm talking about externally? You can feel that pressure externally. Like you know it's not inside, but you know there's something that isn't right. And it seems to be when you're always around a certain person or a certain place, right? So that would be, that would be an assignment of the enemy that tries to come against you to put pressure on you to try to change who you are of course you can't but he certainly can take and destroy a lot of your life if you let them if you let them but then demons within you know christians can have a demon inside in their soul not in their spirit in their soul what is their soul what is your soul your mind your will your emotions and you can also have a demon in your body the example that I just gave you of the woman, was it was in her body. It was also in her emotions. It was in her soul realm. It was in her soul realm. See, this kind of a topic really in this message should be taught from the pulpit. It, it shouldn't be a message that's only taught from some ministry that deals with deliverance. It should be taught from the pulpit, and it should be taught in the church on a regular service. Because you know why? The body is weak when they're not taught this. The body is weakened. They don't understand what's going on. And they think, I just, I made my decision to follow Christ. Isn't that enough? And they don't realize the war that they're in. So it cannot, so a demon cannot affect your spirit, but it will affect your, your soul and your body. And it, you know, you could be bound, here are some examples. 
okay? Internally, bound by anger. You know, something happens and you do good, you do good, you do good, and then all of a sudden, that flare up. And you just know, man, it's not just anger, it's like rage. All of a sudden, and you go, man, you even shock yourself as to how you acted just a minute ago. Or maybe even curse words coming out of your mouth and you're going, how'd that happen? Oh my gosh. Let me tell you, you cannot have fresh water. You cannot have, well, what does the word of God say? You, you, they cannot both flow, right? You cannot have so two streams. Something is not right, and it's in your soul. It is in your soul, in your mind, your will, your emotions, or in your body. You know, so anger. All of a sudden, it's this deep-seated anger, anger, and you don't even know why, because maybe you hadn't done it in a while, but all of a sudden, something happened. You got triggered, and boom, there you go. Maybe you don't say it to anybody. Because maybe it's lust. And you feel shame, so you don't say anything. Or maybe it's pornography, and you're like, I'm not telling anybody. But you're still addicted. You go into the closet, and nobody knows. But you know, and God knows. And you want to stop. Maybe it's gambling. You want to stop. You try. You beg God. You read the word. You try to discipline your life. Maybe it's alcohol. And you want to stop, but you can't. And you don't want to say anything to anybody because you are serving in the church. And you know it's wrong. But you love God. You serve God, you love God, but you don't know how to be free. Well, let me tell you, if that's you tonight, you are going to be free if you're willing. If you're willing. You've got to be willing. You've got to partner with God. You've got to partner. Sometimes it's pride. A lot of times it's pride. You know, just this arrogant, prideful spirit. Let me tell you, you want to walk and you want to walk entrapped in the enemy's ways. Go ahead and let pride have its way. It's mess you up, though. It'll mess you up. All right, here is a, here are a few examples of in Scripture of those who loved God. Are we ready to take some notes? Okay, those who loved God yet they were demonized or manipulated by a demon. I'm going to take my time because I want you to get this. So let's go to Luke 13. Praise you, Lord. Luke 13. There's a story in Luke 13, starting in verse 10. We'll start in verse 10. This is a, this is a woman that had a spirit of infirmity, daughter of Abraham. She was bound by Satan. So verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, that's Jesus, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, infirmity is sickness, had a spirit, a spirit that's not of God, it, 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 this is a spirit, not the Holy Spirit, this woman had a ungodly spirit of sickness, a spirit of infirmity, and she had it for 18 years, so she had it for a long, long time, and she was bent over, and in no way could she raise herself up. So she was bound. She was bound by this spirit of infirmity, and she was bound for a long time. When Jesus saw her, he called to her, and, she, and, and she, he called her to him. And, she said, and he said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. You are loosed. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. And she glorified God. Praise God. One moment with the king, right? Right? And then we know, it goes on and we read about the, you know, the, the religious rulers, how they were getting indignant because Jesus did this on the Sabbath, right? That's another topic. But I, but I want you to, 
I want you to go down to verse 16. Because they're giving him a hard time. Wow, you did this on the Sabbath. You know, why would you do that? The woman just got set free of an 18-year infirmity. And they are concerned of the fact that it was on a Sabbath. Talk about a religious spirit. Look at what, look at, go to verse 16. And Jesus says, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, who was she? A daughter of Abraham. She was someone that believed in the truth. She was a daughter of Abraham. She believed in what she knew, the Bible as it was at that time. And even though they didn't have the Bible yet, they had the word of God. They had, they had the understanding. They, had the, they, had, they didn't have the New Testament. But let me tell you, God was speaking through Moses. He was speaking through Abraham. He was speaking through the men of God. They knew and they would say, go and tell and let your children know. And that they would not forget what God has done. She was a daughter of Abraham. So she was told of what God had done. She was one that was a believer, we would say, in the New Testament. We would say she would be like a believer. Look at what he says. This woman, being a daughter of Abraham, he says, should not this woman who Satan has bound, who bound her? Satan, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? So in this passage, we can see there are sometimes sicknesses that are because it's a demon spirit. Not every time, but a lot of times you have to really search and say, Lord, is this because of a demonic spirit that I am sick? Do you do that? Do you ask that question? We have to. We must ask that question. We need to ask that question. Let's go over to Matthew 16. Because Jesus said to Peter, now we know Peter loved God. We know that he loved, he, he, he was walking and talking with Jesus. He was being trained up. But at a certain moment in time, let's turn to Matthew 16. Peter was scolded. He was rebuked because Peter was acting in, the, in his soul. He was not acting. He was not walking in the spirit at that moment. This is a heads up for some people because you could be walking in the spirit and the very next minute walking in your soul realm, soulish realm. And so Peter, let's, let's look at verse, uh, let's look at verse 22 because Jesus, is pre he's predicting his death. And his resurrection, right? He's telling them all this. He's telling this to Peter and to the disciples. So Peter takes Jesus aside and he begins to rebuke him. And he's saying, far be it, be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. No, Lord. No, this is not going to happen to you. Right? And, and here we see in verse 23, Jesus turns to him and he says, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. You are not being mindful. Jesus was predicting his death and his resurrection, and Peter instead responds out of his soul. And he says, you're not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of men. Do you understand what that means to you and I? That we need to be very careful of the words that come out of our mouth. Because when you think you're just being, you know, nice, you might just be, you might just be flattering somebody. And it may not be the word of God out of your mouth. You're actually operating out of a soulish realm. A soulish realm is not going to bring the pleasure of God. 
It is only obedience to the Lord God that's going to bring the pleasure of God. When we walk out of our spirit man, do you know how many times we as believers do this? He called, he said, get behind me, Satan, was Peter Satan. He wasn't Satan, but he was addressing a spirit that was speaking out of Peter at that moment. He was addressing the spirit that was manipulating Peter at that moment. There are Christians that are being manipulated by, by Satan at various moments. And you've got to realize that when it's you, recognize. Spirit of the living God, show us. We don't want to be talking out of our soulish realm because we just want to be nice to somebody. Because we want to appease that person. Because we just don't want to, uh, we, don't want, we don't want them to be offended. The church is so worried about offending people. How about offending God? Is anybody concerned about offending God? I'm a, I don't want to offend God. And you know what? If you're offended by this message, well, I'm sorry. You have to take this up with the Lord because I'm not going to change the word of God because you're offended. It is my job. Yeah, it is my job to bring the truth and to set captives free. So every word that comes out of our mouth, we want it to be pleasing unto the Lord and not a soulish word. Soulish word is that that's going to please us or please that other individual from our, our emotions. Peter, Peter is trying to rebuke Jesus and he's saying, no, Lord, that's not going to happen. No, Lord. How about when someone comes to you with something and maybe you don't want that to happen instead of saying, oh, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Stop and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you say? Lord, what do you say about this? Before you respond out of your soul. See, we need to be trained as, as believers to respond out of our spirit man and not out of our soul. When we respond out of our spirit man, we shut the door to the devil. But when we respond out of our soul, and especially if you continue to respond out of your soul, you are actually opening up doors to deception. Do you understand what I'm saying here tonight? You are opening up doors of deception when you consistently respond out of your soul realm. Yeah, I know that maybe you haven't heard too much teaching in this, in this, in this vein, but it is important. It is so important that we get this, and this understanding because you know what? Your words are going to be fewer than they were before probably. It's just the truth. James and John, same thing. Let's, let's turn to Luke 9. And it's quiet tonight, I'm telling you. I think you're all paying attention. I think you really got, I think the Lord's got your attention tonight. Hallelujah, you have our attention tonight. Do unto us what you desire, Lord. Show us, let us be aware of what's true, Lord God, what's holy and what is right. James and John, same similar thing, operating out of the soulish realm, where Jesus said to them, you know not what spirit you are of. Look at verse, or chapter 9, but in verse 52. We're going to read 52 through 56. This is where the Samaritan village rejects the Savior. Same kind of thing, you know, like, the, you know, somebody is, like, think about it. You, he, they love Jesus. Somebody, think about your own life, your children, and you love them. And then something's happening, or they say something, they, uh, you know, this person is cruel or mean or wicked towards me, like you want to defend them, but you're probably operating out of your soul. Somebody that you love is hurt, and then what comes out of your mouth is you just want to defend that person, but have you asked the Lord what is the right response? 
Discipline. Right? We got to discipline ourselves, right? So that we're not speaking out of our soul. So, so here in, in um, uh, verse 54... It says, James and John saw that what they were saying, you know, to, and, and they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Lord, they're not accepting you. They're rejecting you. Do you want us to call down fire just like Elijah did? Lord, how about that? We got the solution, Lord. We're going to defend you. We love you, Jesus. We're on your side. Doesn't sound like it's a bad thing. They're like, they're defending Jesus. But are they walking in the spirit? Or are they walking out of their own emotions? It's out of their own emotions, out of their soul. See how subtle it is? Do you see how subtle? And so Jesus turns and he rebukes them. Verse 55. And he says, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. So he's saying, that's not the Holy Spirit that just came out of your mouth. I know you're trying to defend me. I know that you love me and you would want to lay your life down for me, but that is not the Spirit of God that just came out of your mouth. And if it's not the Spirit of God, it is only one other spirit. Amen. It is the enemy. I don't know why people get so quiet when you start talking about demons. Why? Jesus, come on, you one shout of glory, and they go packing. But maybe you didn't know that. I don't know, maybe you didn't know that. One sound from the voice of someone that's walking rightly with God destroys a multiple army of demonic powers. That's why we always, when during worship, we just, you know, try to get you to worship. Speak it out. Decree the truth. Sing. Cast out those powers just by raising your voice to Jesus. How about Judas? Remember Judas? Jesus' disciple? He was demonized by Satan. Let's, let's go to John 6. John 6 and 61. At the end of verse 61, because, you know, many disciples were turning away. They were turning away because they didn't understand the words of Jesus. You know, he's like, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood and abides in me and I in him. You know, they're like, what? So in verse 61, he says, does this offend you? <laughs> well, many of them, it did offend and many of them turned away. But verse 62, what then if you should see the son of man ascend where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life, and the flesh profits nothing. Say that over yourself. It is the spirit who gives life. The, and it says, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, he says, I speak to you. You are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Mm -hmm. For the Jews knew from the beginning who they were. It says here, for the Jews knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And verse 65, and he said, Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless he has been granted to him by my Father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They were offended. They didn't like what he was saying. They were offended. They made the wrong choice. 
Do you know that one of the first things that the enemy will do and work in your life when he's trying to get you off track is to offend you. He'll try to offend you even with the truth. Did you guys know that? That offense is one of the biggest culprits of the enemy getting a, a, a stronghold in your mind. Offense. Being offended with someone. Being upset with them. Being critical. Not liking what they're saying, what they're doing. What, you know, that, uh, that critical offense. Oh, mm-hmm. I should see every hurt. If I, seriously, do you guys not know that? That offense is a, one of the biggest culprits. Do we know this or not? Because if not, we got to go further back. I'm serious. Because I want to help you tonight. I want to help you tonight. I want to help you go forward in truth and get free. So verse 66 you know, from that time on, many of them walked away because they were offended. And then Jesus, he says to the twelve, do you want to go away also? Those, are you offended too? Is this too hard for you to understand? Is this too much for you to mouth? Is this too much for you to hear? Do you not get it? And Simon Peter answers him, he says, Lord, you know, where should we go? You've got the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? Good answer. Good answer, Simon. Good answer. Look at verse 69. Also, we have come to believe and we know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We have come to believe. We've come to understand. Yeah, we may not understand all that you said before, but we've come to believe this one thing, that you are Jehovah, that you are the king of kings. Where else would we go? We don't have to understand everything. We just get to love him and take him at his word. But Jesus says to him, Jesus answered them and he says, did I not choose you? The 12 of you? He says, didn't I choose all 12? And yet one of you is a devil. Did I not choose all of you? And yet one of you is a devil. Now was Judas a literal devil? No. He was a person. He wasn't a devil. But he was already starting to be manipulated by a demonic spirit. And Jesus knew it. He was already acting and being influenced by the wrong, a wrong spirit. You have to protect your spirit man. You cannot just let anything influence you. Because the spirit of the living God lives on the inside of you. Amen? But it's our job to make sure that we keep our temple clean. I'm saying a lot tonight and I'm just believing and trusting God that you're, believe, you're understanding this tonight. This is very, very important. Verse 71. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Didn't Jesus choose him? Didn't he love Jesus? Wasn't he serving Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. But something happened. Something happened. It's when, church, it's when the church doesn't understand that something can happen and shift your focus that the enemy's blinded the church and they still think that everything is good, but they're full of poison. Judas, look at this, look at this progression here. Okay, first we see, we see the offense. He says, Did, does this offend you? Does this offend you? Right? And then right after that, 
there's a critical spirit. I want you to see it for your own life too. Now, this is just one progression. It could be other things, right? It could be other things. But for, for Judas, okay, there was an offense and then there was a critical spirit. Why do they do that? Why do they always do it like that? Why is that? You know, I'm getting tired of that. That church always does it like that. Why? Now, when you start getting that critical spirit, it's a spirit of judgment, a judgmental spirit. That is not of God, a judgmental spirit, right? And this is what happened to Judas. Here's what happened. When, if you, you can write this down, but I'll have to turn there, but in John 12, where Judas criticized Mary when she poured out the fragrant oil on the feet of Jesus, he got critical and said, why was this not sold? Why was this, and, not, and, and for money, why, why was this waste? This is a waste. We could have given it to the poor. He was getting critical. He was judging what he did not know because he thought he did because the spirit of pride was entering into his life. If you think that you are above that, if you think that that could never touch you, then you are deceived. Every single person, every single one of us have to be mindful of the tactics that the enemy will work in the lives of believers to try to get them off course. And then people go, oh, I can't have a demon because I'm saved. I'm like, read your Bible and ask the Spirit of God to open up your understanding. And so here first, you know, there's, there's an offense, then there's a critical spirit. Once you get a critical spirit, you know, deception is not far behind. And when you're deceived, no matter what you look at, you're looking at it through, through like rose-colored glasses, through, through a lens. You're looking at it, through, you know, and it's, it's off. It's all off because now you have a mindset and a heart that's already thinking in a critical way. Right? It's thinking in a critical way. So he's all upset and he's critical of Mary because of the, because of, because of the fragrant offering. And, and you know, and when you go to... Um, we, we can go to John 13. Because at that point, Jesus identified him as a betrayer. Because at that point, you guys know, in the breaking of bread, right? And, and he said, one of you is going to betray me. So, so Jesus already identified, one of you sitting here is going to betray. It didn't just happen overnight. It's not like one thing happens and that's it. Poof, you know, there's a spirit that's attacking you. It's a progression. Somebody say it's a progression, but not anymore. I'm going to open my eyes. I'm learning to identify the patterns that the enemy tries to place in my life because I'm not going to fall prey again. And we don't have to. We do not have to. When you go to John 13, I'm just going to turn there real quick. So John uh, 13, verse 2. And this is like when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And then it says, and supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. The devil had already put something into his heart, into, into Judas's heart. He had already put it in his heart. How? Because there was an open door. Because there was an open door. What did God say in the book of Genesis when he said to Cain and to Abel, if you bring me the right sacrifice, I will accept it. But if not, 
He said, the enemy is right there at the door. He's crouching at the door, but you must master it. That means you must shut that door. That means you must bring the right offering, the fragrant offering. We must walk rightly before the Lord our God and not think that anything goes. Because the enemy will bring deception, but first he'll start with an offense, or he'll start with pride, or he'll start with some kind of a judgment. Well, that's not the way, you know, and who does she think she is? Number one right there, check your heart. Who do you think you are? Because that's a woman of God or a man of God that you're judging, and maybe you didn't even bother to ask God. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Can't let it happen, church. We're, we're believing God is moving us from glory to glory. But if you think for one minute that he is not going to try to have some kind of an offense be put upon you, even in this type of a glorious circumstance, situation that we have going on, the glory of God, and then people getting offended. Why? Because they don't like it wasn't part of their plan. It wasn't the way they thought it was going to happen. And, and then that offense starts to grip their heart because they become critical. Why are they doing it like that? What, why aren't they doing it like this? Why aren't they doing it like that? And what happens? Somebody's going to miss out on what God is doing. God's going to still move. And God always has his people where he wants them, and they're going to receive those that are walking rightly, those that keep a humble heart, those that walk right, keep a humble heart, and don't allow the enemy in. But there's always a few that get picked off because they don't understand, and they get taken into deception because they get critical. They get judgmental, and they don't like what they see, and they go, you know what, that's wrong. Well, maybe it isn't wrong. Maybe you didn't ask God. Maybe it is wrong. Ask God. But you don't remove yourself from a place that God hasn't removed you. You let God do it, right? Because otherwise you miss out. So we know what happened. We know that he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. We know what happened in Matthew 27. We don't need to go there, but, he, you know, he repents. He realizes, oh my gosh, I did a wrong thing. I did, this is wrong, this is wicked. He repents. But you know what? The enemy was already in. And he was tormenting him so, so badly that he commits suicide. He hangs himself. We know that Judas hangs. Why? Do you guys not know that when somebody, you hear somebody committing suicide, who do you think put them up to it? A demon spirit put them up to it. Did you guys not know this? Don't you start believing this, all this other trash that you start? It is a spirit of death. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But God says, I have come. Jesus says, I have come to give you life and to give that life to you more abundantly. More abundantly. True. It is so true. You know, and, and I'm not going to go there now because I already went over this other this passage on Thursday. But in Mark 1:23, there was a man in the synagogue, means in their church, with an unclean spirit, who cried out, and Jesus cast it out. So what am I saying there? I'm saying that in the church there can be demonic powers, even though they're they're believers. And I, you know, because again, it's in their soul realm, right? Um, in Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. You are anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed from the devil. He, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed from the devil because God was with him. What does that mean to you guys? 
That means we need to really recognize there is the power of God right now to save, to restore, to heal, to deliver, to cast out. Like our lives should be sharp, full of God's fire. If your fire is going out, if you feel like your edge is dull, then you could probably rest assured that there is somewhere in your life that the enemy has found a grip. Doesn't mean that you're demonized, but it means that your effectiveness is not where it could be. And the last time I checked, I, I want to live in the fullness of what this word provides, not in just partial victory. And Jesus says, all victory is mine. But there's a process. There is a process. So all believers, we are all commissioned you are all commissioned to actually cast out those demons. Say, I'm commissioned. I'm commissioned, and you're commissioned to cast them out of yourselves. How many of you guys do self-deliverance? Okay, maybe about, not half, but less than half. It's okay. Um, a fourth or so. Self-deliverance. Absolutely. How many times a day do you eat? Two, three, two, three. So at least like once a week, you probably, you know, I do deliverance all the time. I do self-deliverance all the time because I feel like I need to, especially just because of the manner of what I do, the attacks that come against me. Do you think that, you know, the devil's crafty? He's crafty. And so for me to think, and I, there's Christians, oh yeah, I, I went through deliverance when I got saved. That's it? Do you eat just one time in your life and you're good? You know? No. Like, so, so this is something that we really should start to understand. This is, part, this is children's bread. The Bible says that deliverance is the children's bread. It's our bread. It's what we should be work, walking and living and, and understanding that, that anytime something is off, anytime you don't feel right, say, Lord, what's going on? Repent. Renounce. Cast that thing out. Lord, forgive me. If I've fallen into some area, maybe I'm not even sure. Maybe it's fear. Do you know that fear is one of the biggest areas, one of the largest areas that the enemy takes advantage of his saints? I mean, of the saints of God, that the enemy takes advantage? Fear is one of the largest areas, one of the biggest strongholds. And we know that the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. A sound mind is a self-disciplined mind. And so, so when, we don't, uh, when we don't stand firm on that, yeah, the, you know, the enemy can come in and, and try to affect us. And like I said, it may be externally, but you better take care of it quick when you feel that pressure. Because if not, then it becomes a bigger deal, right? Now you're feeling you, people hearing. What about hearing voices? You know, people that, oh, I hear voices all the time. That's not of God. And there's demon spirits. How about people that do drugs? Right? Alcohol and drugs and stuff. And then, you know, they, all this anger and rage starts to well up. Why? Because they're being tormented. They're being tormented by a demon spirit inside. And they love, and some of them are leading worship. Maybe you didn't know that. Not here. Mm-mm-mm-mm. No, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty strong about that kind of stuff. I have to be. Because whatever comes forth out of this pulpit... And out of the front here, 
is going to affect you whether you realize it or not. And it's not just the words, it's the spirit behind that person that is affecting you. Just like the music you listen to, even if you go, well, the words are good, but after I leave, I don't feel good. I feel like my old self, or I feel depressed, whatever. It's the spirit that's behind those words that's making you feel that way, and you have to recognize it's not just the words, it's the spirit behind it. Right? Hallelujah. So we are supposed to be people. Matthew 10, 7 and 8 says, As you go, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is a commissioning to all of us. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leopards, raise the dead, cast out devils. Then it says, freely you have received, freely give. Cast out devils. Freely you receive, freely give. How many devil casting out people do I have in this room today? How many of you guys have cast a demon out of yourself in the past? Out of yourself. How about out of someone else? Same, about a quarter of you. Praise God. Well, let me tell you, things are about ready to shift and change. If you're ready, if you're ready. You know, on Thursday when I spoke about the demon in the pew. Some of you guys were here for that message. The demon in the pew. Afterwards, I said, you know what? impartation to a few of them it's, it's time to be activated in this and I prayed that way and you know that that same, very same day somebody came up text me and she said that she saw somebody walking she had just been she just received an impartation like an activation to go and do the same and she sees somebody she's driving she happens to know this person from a, a different church and the guy was not in his right mind he clearly but she Ask the Lord, should I go? Should I? Yeah, she pulls the car over. She goes up to him and starts praying and casting demons out of that guy. Why? Because she just heard the message that this is for every single believer. Every single believer. There was an impartation. There was an increase of faith. And, and God set it up. Don't you think that God's going to be setting up some, some special circumstances for you all? All right. And so Mark 16, 17, I just want to give you some, a few more scriptures that tell you this is what you're supposed to do. This is, the, this is your right as a believer, guys. It says these signs will follow those who believe. We are believers in the name of Jesus. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. Right at the very beginning. Why do you talk about demons so much? Because the Bible does. That's why. Because Jesus does. I don't think I really do, but everybody has their own opinion. Hallelujah. So what do you think? Do some of you need deliverance tonight? <laughs> you know what? If you feel like you're li living a powerless life, you need deliverance. If you feel like, you know, like you can't sleep at night, you need deliverance. If fear is constantly tormenting you, you need deliverance. If you have an eating issue and you can't seem to get victory, you need deliverance. Um, if, you're, if you are walking with the spirit of intimidation, you need deliverance. If you are struggling with pride, you need deliverance. If you are struggling with overeating, alcohol, drugs, you need deliverance. There's a lot of reasons why you would need deliverance. If you're walking around shamed and condemned all the time and you go over the verses and you just can't seem to get free, you need deliverance. Am I making my point? 
So can a Christian have a demon? Yeah, if they want one. But we don't advise it at all. But they can if they want one. But the daughter of Abraham was bound for 18 years with spirits of infirmity, but she was set free from that demonic control because Jesus came and set her free, right? And Peter, who loved and served Jesus, Peter loved and served Jesus, had a spirit speaking out of him. Jesus addressed it as Satan, you know, and Peter woke up because we know that he still continued to follow him. He's like, wow, okay, wake up, time to wake up. You know, I'm not going to speak out of my soul. So let's not be deceived. Um, in 1 Timothy 4.1, the Bible says that in the last days, this is 1 Timothy 4.1, the Bible says that in the last days, we are living in the last days, right? I mean, things are wicked, they're dark, right? Evil they call good, good they call evil. So in the, the Bible says in the last days, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. I'm going to say it again, because we need to hear it again. 1 Timothy 4.1 In the last days, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits. That means there are spirits out there that are trying to deceive you. They're trying to deceive us. You know, they're, they'll say, you shouldn't go to that church. They're just too, they're, they're kind of out there. They're radical and they're wild. They're trying to deceive you. They're trying to deceive you. You don't need to read your Bible. Not that much. Trying to deceive you. You don't need to live like that. Why are you just like, just walk that straight line? Like, you never have any fun. You don't do what other people do. You know, you never go to those kinds of movies. You never watch that kind of TV. You just don't know how to have fun. Demons of deception are at work. What do you mean you can't have your old friends? Doesn't the Bible tell us to love all people? Aren't you supposed to walk in love? Aren't you supposed to honor the weaker brethren? Guys, we need to wake up and recognize we are the temple of the Most High God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. His Spirit lives on the inside of us. And if His Spirit lives on the inside of us, what are you doing with the Spirit of the living God? What are you doing? Are you protecting the Holy Spirit? Are you protecting the fact that He says, You are my temple. Amen. I want to live inside of you. But I, I, I must live in a place of holiness. Not mixture. Not deception. Not deception. What does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us that we need to take counsel from what's good, what's pure, what's lovely. Not from the world. We are not to take counsel from the ungodly. We are not to take counsel from mixture. We are not to take counsel. We're not to allow influences from outside sources that are not truly God-fearers to affect our lives. And the minute you think, oh, I can do it because I can just go ahead and Christianize that, already you're walking in a place of danger. Already. Because the enemy is crafty. So write that scripture down, 1 Timothy 4.1. Write it down, because in the last days some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. But the Bible tells us in James 4.7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. And he will flee. I want you to shout over to this side. 
I want you to shout over to this side of the room. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Go ahead and tell them. All right, guys, it's your turn. Go tell them the same thing. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. When we submit ourselves to God and we resist the devil, he will flee. The enemy has to flee. The enemy doesn't have a choice because you are a blood-bought Christian, a believer on fire. That's who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you're strong in the Lord. Say, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. According to Ephesians 6, right? I'm putting on the full armor of God. I will be able to stand against the wiles, which are the trickeries, the schemes of the devil. I'm standing against that. I'm standing against the trickery, the wiles, the schemes, the deception of the enemy. We have to be able to do that. We're going to end with this and then we're going to, we're going to, do, we're going to pray. 1 Corinthians 2.4. We started with this scripture and we're going to end with this scripture. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit. But in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. The demonstration of the Spirit and of power power. God wants you to walk in power. He wants you to walk in the demonstration of the Spirit. He wants you to be equipped. He wants you to be so freed up from bondages of the past, whether they be in your mind, whether they be in your will, or whether they be in your emotions, or whether they be in your body, that you would walk so free from these things from the past, or maybe present, that your life tomorrow is looking so different from the past, from yesterday. Amen? You're not going to be able to free somebody if you're still struggling in that same area yourself. This is why it's important that we get, that we understand. We have got to do some self-deliverance, church. And this is not a one-time event. This is something that needs to happen over and over and over. Why is there so much fear? Like, think about it. Like, think about I want you to just ask your, yourself this question, right? Why is there so much fear? And I just mean like generally, you know, when, about this topic. Why is there so much fear about it? It's like, guys... You know, when we, when, we, when we recognize the assignment of the enemy and we expose his plan, he's, his power is weakened. And he actually loses power. Because